Today's reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever who does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lisi. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, he was in quarantine, so I guess that makes me your substitute teacher. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a substitute teacher. Um, my name is Peter, and uh, we're going to continue with the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. It's a very famous part of the book of John. It's about the whole interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus makes a very big claim here because Jesus says that you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. Not it would be nice to be born again. Not you should be. It wasn't advice. It was you must be born again. 
to enter the kingdom of God. So that's quite a claim. And we're going to take some time to go through that claim in three separate points. First is, who is this for? Being born again. Then we're going to go through, why is it important? And also, how do we know we're born again? So we're going to go through this in three points. First, who is it for? Why is it important? And how do you know you're born again? Before we start, why don't you join me in a quick prayer? Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this, for this time and this privilege to listen to your word. May the words that are spoken be your words, Lord. And may the words that are listened, that we hear, may it um, bring our hearts to a place where we can glorify you, we can honor you, and that uh, we will be changed to be more like Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, born again, who is it for? Now, when we talk about being born again, a lot of times we think about two groups of people. And there are two groups of people when it comes to this. On one side, you have a group of people where we might think that, yes, you know, born again is important, but, you know, I was, I was baptized when I was young. I've been living a Christian life, lifestyle for all my life. I grew up in a Christian household. I've been going to church all my life. I've done a lot of good things. I tithe. I serve. So... Do I really still need to be born again? Right? What more can it do for me, given that I've done all this? This is the kind of person I am. Do I still need it? And maybe that group of people, we think that we don't need it, because I just need to be improved a little bit, but I don't need to be born again necessarily. And then there's another group of people where they've lived a sinful life, that I haven't done what I should have done, and I've done everything I wanted to do, and, and you know, I've, I've sinned throughout my life, I don't go to church, then, therefore, surely I don't qualify to be born again. I won't get in. It's not for me, right? So which group are you? No, you don't have to answer, because it doesn't matter. Both groups needs to be born again. We all need to be born again. You know, I think that is precisely why Nicodemus is included in this chapter. The inclusion of Nicodemus is to show that we all need to be born again because if you were to ever find a person with perfect morality in the Bible, it was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a respected teacher, educated, a Pharisee, part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. He had everything going for him. It, this was not a person that you would pass by and think that you need to be born again. But yet, by, you know, by, and also in verse 9, it says that he was a teacher of Israel. Right? Very high standing. But yet, he went to Jesus. He went to Jesus at night. He wanted to find out more from Jesus about about religion, about God, about what Jesus was teaching. He was curious. And, you know, you have to remember that at this time, it wasn't, it wasn't good to be seen with Jesus. Jesus was already targeted by the, Jews, uh, by, by the Pharisees. Jesus was a hunted man. You don't want to be seen next to this guy. And maybe that's why uh, Nicodemus went to see him at night, not during the day. A lot of, a lot of um, 
the fact that you know he went to see him at night. It, it, you know, people make a lot out of this because it was curious why at night and not during the day. But some of the commentaries also point to that um, coming in the darkness has a deeper meaning. We can see it in verse 19 where it says, The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. That Nicodemus came in darkness or went to Jesus in darkness may signify that he wasn't in the light, and therefore he was still searching. He wasn't born again. Now, in the next, next week, uh, you'll, you'll be studying chapter 4, where you see the uh, Samaritan woman. And there's a nice contrast here, because the Samaritan woman, a sinful Samaritan woman, met with Jesus, spoke with Jesus during the day by the well. Now, we don't know what happened to, to Nicodemus after his conversation with Jesus, but we know what happened to the Samaritan woman, right? After her conversation with Jesus... She went back to her village and she evangelized about Jesus to everybody in the village. She was changed. But this is the point is this though, it's not just the sinful Samaritan woman who needs to receive the Spirit and be born again. It was also Nicodemus. He also needed to be born again. The invitation of to be born again is for everyone, not a particular group. No matter how how highly moral you are. You know, a religious moral person might feel that, you know, I, I just need to improve a little bit in this area. I'm an okay person overall, right? But this one area, yeah, I can need some help on. But I don't need to be born again. And Jesus refutes that because it's not just about getting better. It's not about uh, improving yourself. It's about being transformed into a new person. Being born again is letting the old self die so that you're reborn in a new self in the Spirit. So all of us, all of us need to be born again. And why is it so important? Why is being born again so important? Isn't living a good life, being good to people, isn't that enough? Well, Let's go back to Nicodemus. Before Nicodemus even asked a question, Jesus jumped right in, if you notice. Jesus started the conversation with him by saying in verse 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You can't even see it unless you're born again. Now we see a common theme in the gospel about Jesus where he's always misunderstood. Because Nicodemus comes back and says, what, what are you talking about? Born again? You can't go back into the womb and come out. You know, I'm 65 years old. How can I be born again? It's illogical. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense. And Jesus' response to Nicodemus was, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. You know, we live in the world where I think the world wants us to think that we are entitled or we deserve uh, to be blessed because of what we've done, a list of all the good things. Or we deserve to be punished, we deserve to be cursed and damned because, again, of what we've done. 
I think that's how the world sees sort of reality, right? And it's all about what we've done. And I think that's why Jesus says that you have to be born again to even see the kingdom of God. You won't even see it if the Spirit doesn't move you to be born again. Because it's not about what we've done. We can't, there's no ticket that you can buy to get into the kingdom of God. There's no ticket you can buy to to heaven. It's a place where you're invited to go in. It's an invitation. And the invitation is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross so that we can claim the righteousness that he has. If we don't see this, if we don't even see the world as what it is, then how can we possibly enter the kingdom of God? It's interesting that Jesus talks about seeing the kingdom of God because it reminds me of a movie. Uh, It's called Limitless. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It wasn't very popular. Um, But um, it it, it has Bradley Cooper in it, and Bradley Cooper plays this character, this average person, very unremarkable, average job, and one day he stumbles upon a pill where when when you take the pill, you can use 100% of your brain. Imagine that, 100%. So, of course, instantly he becomes very smart. You know, where, where people see problems, he sees solutions. Where people see obstacles, he sees opportunities. So it becomes instantly successful. And, and I think being born again, to an extent, is, is like that. All of a sudden, we see the world differently. We see everything differently. Physically, we're still the same. Nothing's changed. But inside, with our eyes, the scales come off, and now we see the world in a different way. We see the world in the way that God created it. The authenticity of a Christian, I think, lies in being born again. Let me say that again. The authenticity of a Christian lies in being born again. No less than eternal life is at stake here. That's why it's important. And it's supported by verse 16. It says, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus follows in verse 19, calling us out when he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus is the light that's come into this world. But we continue to love the darkness because the light will show that even when we do good things, it's for the bad reasons. It's for selfish reasons. It's, it's tragic if we live through life feeling good about all the good things that we've done, only to realize when it's too late that we've done them because we wanted something from God. That we wanted Him to owe us. That we wanted to do these good things so that we can redeem something from him when it is God who redeems us but you have to admit that sometimes when we look back on our lives we do count right we keep count we keep count with our relationships when we talk to our wives our husbands and our kids look at all the things that I've done for you we keep count with God Look at all the things that I've done. Surely that's going to amount to something. Surely that's going to 
push me over the line. Surely that's going to count for something. It's a credit, isn't it? And this is the problem. This is what lies beneath. This is the sin beneath the sin. That our belief that we can save ourselves. That we put ourselves in the place of God. Being born again is about taking this version of ourselves, putting it away, letting it die, so that we can be transformed as someone that places our entire trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. So why do you do the good things that you do? Why do we go to church? Why do you tithe? Why are you kind? Why do you give? Why do you serve? Why do we do all these things? Is it because we want to put God in our debt? Is it because we want to earn something? Is it because we want to accumulate enough heaven tokens so that we can go, see, here's what I've done. Bring me to my seat. If we think this way, oh, brother, If we think this way, if we still believe that, even the slightest, that's why we need to be born again. That's why it's important. So how do we know? How do we know about this change in us? Well, being born again is not something that we do, right? Verse 8 tells us, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, there are two key words here, wind and spirit. And both of these words have the same meaning in Greek. So the verse is telling us that being born again and and being born of the Spirit cannot be controlled. It's like the wind. It cannot be planned. You can't hold it. You can't direct it. It comes from God. It is of the Spirit. The Spirit has to move you. But there are two sides to this, to this coin here, right? As the Spirit moves you, there is action. There's motion. There's change. Something happens. If, if, if we don't behave differently, if we don't act differently, if we don't respond differently when the Spirit moves us, there's no change, then no, that's not being born again. So there is something that we do. There's an illustration here in the, uh, uh, in the chapter, verses 14 and 15, that talks about this. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the, man of, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, when you read this verse, these two verses, they're you know, kind of hidden away, a bit unremarkable, wonder, wondering what it means. Let me, let me bring you to... To, to, uh, to explain what this means. There, there, it reverse, or it, it, it uh, references to chapter 21 of Numbers, Numbers 21. And in, in Numbers 21, what was happening was that the Israelites have sinned, and they were in the wilderness, uh, and so God sends down poisonous snakes. And the snakes bit the Israelites, and they were, they were dying because there was poison. And now, in this illustration, the poison represents sin that's spreading through the body of the Israelites, leading to death. 
But when the Israelites repent, then God says to Moses, take this, bra- the, this bronze snake and put it on the pole and lift it up. And tell the Israelites to look up, to look at the pole, and they will live. Which is what the Israelites did. Right? That's all they had to do, was to look up, and then therefore every snake-bitten Israelite, Israelite was given that way of salvation to be saved. So just as the bronze snake was the remedy for the snake bite, Christ's death on the cross is our remedy for our sin. We sinners have to look up to the cross in faith. There's a great illustration from from, uh, John Stott um, when he talks about this guy named uh, William Hasland. William Hasland is a a reverend, a minister in uh, in Cornwall in England. And um, one day he was led by the Spirit to preach about um, the glory of Christ. And and in that moment, um, that day he was converted. So he was converted by his own sermon. And then he went on in a, in a very fruitful ministry, uh, converting many other ministers into true Christianity um, through his sermons, through, through, through um, uh, the idea about being born again. Now, uh, William Haslin had this illustration on Numbers 21 that I thought was very useful. And let me share this with you. So imagine this scene he says, where you have Moses with the snake, uh, the bronze snake and the pole. And around them were four people. The first man is seen to be kneeling down in front of the snake and the pole, but he's not looking at the pole. He's looking at Moses. The second man is lying on his back, looking up in the sky, looking up at heaven and thinking that everything was okay. The third man was very busy doing works of mercy. Okay? Helping those who were sick, attending to those who were dying. The fourth man was valiantly fighting against the snakes, beating them back. Right? And so Haslin said, I observed that none of these four men were doing what they were told to do. He said he used to be like the four men in the picture. He, he would look to the church and the priest to receive forgiveness and thought that everything was okay. Or he would sometimes look to himself and all the good works that he's done and think that he's saved and he's okay. Or sometimes yet he would fight valiantly against sin in him and around the world and think that that would make a difference and he would be okay. But he realized that he wasn't doing the only thing that he was actually told to do, to look at the bronze snake. Haslin says, I was brought by the Spirit of God as a wounded and dying sinner to look at the crucified one. And I found pardon and peace. Where, where are you looking at? Where, am, where are we looking at? What do we look to? What do our eyes gaze upon to find our pardon and peace? What do we look at and stare at to find meaning? to find approval. What is it that we're looking at? Are we looking at our, at our careers to find meaning and approval? Are we looking 
to our children to find purpose? Are we looking at love to find approval? Are we looking at wealth to find security and safety? Because if we're looking at any of those things and we're not looking at the cross, then we're looking in the wrong direction. We're looking at the wrong things. And we need to be born again to see that the cross is right in front of us. I was born again in 2008. Um, uh, We were in Singapore. And what had happened was at that point, my marriage was not in good shape. It was in horrible shape. Um, We were on the verge of breaking up. The family was on the verge of breaking up. And it was my fault. It's usually the guy's fault, I think. Um, And it was my fault because I um, was deceitful. I was selfish, self-centered. On the outside, it looked like I did everything right. But on the inside, um, I was living in darkness, not living in the light. And so one night, I was praying um, and praying and begging and, and pleading with God in desperation to fix this, to mend, to help. And in the prayer, the Spirit led me to look at the cross. And when I looked at the cross, it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I, Jesus had to die for me. Why? Because of my sinful nature. God put the mirror in front of me so I can see the monster that I am. But it didn't end there. As down as I was about who I was, I was lifted up because of the cross, lifted up to know that I am redeemed, that I am good enough, that Jesus did die for me. I am important. I am something. There was a special moment for me because after that, I saw life completely differently. I was changed. But that change continues. Although being born again is a singular event, but the Spirit is not finished with you yet. The Spirit will continue to change you. I've now done six quarantines. I don't know if that's a record in this room. I think it probably is. And um, people ask me, is, is it easier, right? You've done six, so you know, the last one you did, was it easier? And it's not easier. I can tell you right now. Because that, that loneliness, that solitude, that confinement, it gets to you. It actually gets you more so because you've done it so often. And this last quarantine that I did was, was different. I had just come back from two months or a month and a half in the States And um, it was a difficult time because work was very stressful. Uh, There was also things happening in the family in the States which caused additional stress. My anxiety level was through the roof to the point where um, I would have these very quiet but but minor um, panic attacks, if you will. Um, Short of breath, just just worried to the point where I, 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 I didn't know what to do. Um, any one of you who have had pan it's off. Oh. Any one of you who have had panic attacks will know what that, what that feels like. So I was preparing myself for my quarantine, and I thought this is going to be challenging. Right? Three days alone. 
and I've been gone away from the family for over a month. But this time was different. I felt spirit in the room. The spirit pointed me to the cross. And when I looked at the cross, I saw a man who died for me. For me. For me. And so the thoughts came to my mind Jesus died for you. What more do you want? That's how much you are worth that Jesus died for you. That's how much you're loved that Jesus died for you. That's the level of approval you have. Jesus died for you. So I started to ask myself, what more do I need to feel safe? What more do I need for security when I have Jesus? So you see, being born again is a singular event. But the Spirit is not done with you yet. You will continue to change as you look upon the cross. So as we come to the end of uh, 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 the book of John, we see Nicodemus reappear. Now, he's now introduced to the readers again in chapter 19, verse 39, as the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. You know, it's funny how they continue to talk about him seeing Jesus at night. They won't let it go, right? John wouldn't let it go. But this time, he visits um, Jesus, or this time, he's introduced to the, in, in a story during the day because he goes to Pilate and he asks permission to grab Jesus' body, to bury Jesus. Right? Him and Joseph of Arimathea um, went to Pilate to ask for Jesus' body. Nicodemus even brought 75 pounds of myrrh and incense and fine linen to go and wrap Jesus' body to bury it. Now, again, I, I need you to put yourself into this moment here. Jesus had just been crucified as a terrorist, right? As an insurrectionist, as a rebel. You don't go to Pilate and say, let me have his body. He's risking everything, his reputation, his community standing, maybe even his life. So what changed? Right? And he did this during the broad daylight before sunset. What's different? What changed in Nicodemus? Everything. Nicodemus got the courage to go and do this because he was born again. Being born again changes us from the inside out. We rest in the knowledge that Jesus died for us. We are then filled with courage and humility. We're filled with the humbleness of humility to serve, not for our sake, but for your sake. The other people, the other people's centeredness. We're filled with a level of confidence that we can face life in all of his ugliness that we can face death, loss, sickness. We have that confidence when we're born again. When we're born again, we have this inner beauty, an inner beauty that doesn't go away just because we got older, an inner beauty that lasts forever. Don't you want this? 
don't you want this? Don't you want this feeling of being born again? Of that humility, of that confidence, of that beauty? It's there. It's there, you know. It's there at the cross. It's there for you. It's waiting for you. All you have to do is look up. Look up at the cross. Look up at the cross. Look to Jesus and believe. See Jesus for who he really is, our Savior who redeemed us. Look at him and believe. Let us pray. Father in heaven, forgive us when we look to all the other things in life for meaning, for approval, for purpose. May your spirit come within us to guide us, to lead us to look at the cross so that when we look at the cross, O Lord, we are saved, we are redeemed, we are changed from the inside out, that we will live out the gospel in in its trueness so that we may glorify you and we may honor you. We pray all this, Lord, in the name of Christ. Amen. So now we're...